This is Aisha Oxley, and you're listening to Young, Original, and Black, the show that celebrates and uplifts the unique Black voices a part of this generation's creative class. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Young, Original, and Black. It has been longer than it was supposed to be before I dropped another one of these. So let me explain. I got COVID. It finally got me and it knocked me out. I'm not 100% back to myself yet, um, but I'm definitely way, way better. Ironically, when I had first recorded this intro just a few hours before my first symptoms started to arise, I had talked about wanting to slow down and savor summer. Well, I had to slow all the way down. And even though I was beyond frustrated by the circumstances, I was reminded of two things. First, there are folks who care about me. Um, As isolating and bleak as it was to have to endure that by myself, I knew I was only physically alone. I had family and friends checking in on me and offering to show up in the ways that they could. So that really meant a lot to me. Shout out to y'all. You know who you are. And COVID aside, it was a reminder that I should probably reach out for support more often and check in on my people more often too. If you need that reminder as well, just like me, there it is for you. And then secondly, I was reminded how certain things can only come to you when you're still, when you're in a state of stillness. So while I was basically bed stricken, I had a lot of time to think. And for the first time in months, I got this rush of creative inspiration, just idea after idea. In the first episode of the season, I talked about how I've been trying to figure out how to start doing everything at once with my art, meaning how can I fuse my visual art with my poetry and written work? I won't go into too much detail now, but let's just say I had a bit of a breakthrough moment regarding that that I'm really excited about. And I don't know if I would have gotten all these ideas or had a breakthrough if it wasn't for me just laying around and being in that stillness. So while it was a painful, forced stillness, it was also a fruitful one too. Okay, now that we're all up to speed, I'd like to introduce my guest for this episode, Davon Clark. Here's a bit about him. Davon Clark is a Philadelphia-raised artist based in Chicago that uses investigative journalism practices in his camera work and poetry. His work looks to fill in the gaps left behind in coverage of the worlds that he lives in and peripheral to. He likes flowers and the little things in life. Davon is a friend and a creative whom I deeply respect and admire, so I knew I had to have him on the show at some point, and because he is both a talented poet and a photographer, I thought he would be the perfect person to explore a concept I think about a lot in my own work, which is the relationship between form and function. So... That is the loose theme for our conversation. (laughs) We define what those words mean for us, how they interact in his work, and what that means to us in the context of Black art traditions. Like I said, loose theme, but from there, we got into a broader discussion around social media, how it feels for your work to be consumed in the digital age, and how we can tap back into the joy of both creating the thing, but also sharing it. So yeah, in my opinion, there's a lot of good stuff in here and I hope that it resonates. One more quick disclaimer before we jump right in though, this conversation was recorded in March of 2021. So if you're wondering why we're talking about or referencing certain things related to the pandemic that may sound out of date at this point, that's why. That's about it for now. Let's go ahead and get into our conversation. Welcome to Young, Original, and Black. How does it feel to be on the show today? Yeah, it's really good to be here. I've been excited for it, so yeah. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> excited too. Um, 
Davon is my friend. He's also a really dope, just all around creative. So we've been plotting on this for a minute. I want to do a little bit of the Mad Libs, like icebreaker section that I usually do. This one is always a good one. When I was a kid, you could probably find me blank. Um, in front of a computer, either that okay. or uh, playing Relatable. outside. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were you on the computer doing? Playing video games and and watching the same four DVDs um, in a row. I had like this little like DVD player thing, and yeah, I would just like watch that instead of like having like background music on or whatever, or instead of like having the TV show. Um, so I've watched um, what is it? Not Doctor Doolittle. It's a. Uh, I think it got Eddie Murphy in it. Um, okay. Daddy Daycare. Daddy Daycare. Oh, I watched Daddy yeah. Daycare like dozens of times. Napoleon Dynamite. Nacho Libre. Um, <laughs> stupid things <laughs> yeah like. those are low-key classics now um okay so either in front of the computer or outside what were you doing outside climbing trees i um into yeah mischief? yeah <laughs> absolutely um i before i lived in philly i lived in like the small little rural town in south new jersey and okay. um yeah all we really had was like trees and dogs and chickens and shit like that so um, not we, but like the town or whatever. So I don't know. We <laughs> okay. had like a farm like up the street that was like cool to just like walk past or whatever. Um, so I was either outside, like if I wasn't climbing trees, I was playing with like twigs and stuff like that with the kid. Like we just made up games um, and had fun. Now looking back, I'm like, wow, we did a lot with just like a bunch of grass. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. Kids these days. I don't want to say kids these days, like, oh, these youngsters don't know, but like, I don't know. I feel like kids definitely um, have more screen time options. Makes going outside a little less appealing. Yeah, there's such high access with screens, um, which is just a different world to like grow up. Very, in. Yeah. very different. Um, all right, next Mad Lib. Um, hopefully, this isn't too difficult for you. Choose one of these. My favorite poet or photographer is uh, blank. <laughs> All of them. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's so hard. Choose, yeah. choose one or two um, that you really like right now. That I that I really really like right now. Um, oh, oh man, all of them. <laughs> People are creating with such high like <laughs> high quality right now. Um, that's uh, real. Gabrielle Cavalcaresi like isn't my favorite poet. Not okay. to say that, like, but like she has a poem that like I come back to a lot. So like I I'm not like familiar with like their work as a whole, but their poem is definitely my favorite poem. And okay. I come back to that every day. So if that counts, I don't know. That's like a cheat. Yeah, a cheat no, no, that that <laughs> but, definitely counts. What's yeah. the poem? Um, it's called Hammond B three Organ Cistern. Um, which like is not about like a Hammond B three organ at all. Um, okay. Yeah, the first line in it is, um, the days I don't want to kill myself are extraordinary, and it's like wow. after that, just talking about. Like what it feels like just to like have a good day, like in the middle of like being depressed or whatever. And it's just like mm. very like bright to me. I love it. So yeah. I definitely want to read that. Uh next one. I can't live without my blank. Coffee. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> this is a very on-brand answer if you follow Davon on Instagram, which I would also recommend. Um, what are you drinking coffee right now? Indeed I am. <laughs> <laughs> On brand. Um, is it like a special roast or blend or um, I don't this, know anything about coffee, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this roast is from Sashore Brew. They don't okay. roast it either. Metropolis or Metric does. They're both like in town uh roasteries or whatever. It's decent. I'm I'm excited. I got some uh, beans coming in from Pennsylvania this weekend and I'm very okay. excited for those. Um but this is good coffee. Yeah. Nice. I'll take your word for it because I don't know. Um, we can do one more. Let's see. If I could snap my fingers and relive 10 minutes of my past, I would go back to blank. Whew. Um, just 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes. I don't know. Every time, like, like life is, I don't know. Like, even on, like, bad days, I really appreciate life these days and, like, I'm trying to think of like any certain 10 minutes. Um, it could be like from a day that you really like have a good feeling about that day in your memory. I would love to go back to like the first time I repotted a plant with my with my roommate last summer. 
Um, okay. I just got my first three plants um, from a friend that was like just dropping them off around town. Um, and it was really, I've wanted to like start planting for a while. And yeah, they gave me like these three small plants that like were in good health. But one of them was like a little jade that like, like I didn't, I didn't realize it, but it needed to be repotted. And my roommate was telling me about that. And he taught me about like how to do it. And I was like so scared to like either drop it or like break apart the plant or something like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was like, you know, you could be like soft with it, but it can like handle things. And it was just like really nice. I don't know. Um, figuring out the, uh, the durability and the, and the boundaries of plants. And now like I have like over two dozen of them. And like, those were, that was like my first one that I put into it. It went from a two inch to a four inch and then it quickly grew out that four inch. Like I, I needed a six wow. inch for it, like maybe like two months later. So I need your green thumb, man. I killed like three plants. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. That's a, that seems like a very like tender moment. Um, the posts that you've been sharing, they feel very much like snippets of a day hmm. that you're just like choosing to highlight. But we can just like go through life and be like, eh, you know, I'm not feeling that great. Or like that poem that you were talking about, you can be depressed, but like you can have a really good day while you're depressed. So I just really value that about your work and your outlook. So I feel like I that was a, that. Oh, you're thank welcome. You. <laughs> um, let's transition into the meat of this conversation. So our topic is form and function. Yeah. And for like the purpose, general purposes of the conversation, what is form and what is function to you? Because I think a lot of people have different ideas about what that is. Yeah. Um, the two go hand in hand, but definitely are different things. I think of like, ooh, this is hard. Okay, I'll try not to like go too long with it. Um, I've been talking about this a lot with my students lately because like we just got to the mm. section in uh in two of my classes where like we're going over poetry forms and like what it means to like pick a form for a certain poem. Mm. I'd say form, like in the general sense, um, is like the scaffold that you have, and that doesn't mean that like it can't be broken, but like. It, it gives the base level of like what something should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then function is like why and how we were able to use that form. When we're writing sonnets, it's like, why do we need to, needs a strong word, but like why write a sonnet instead of writing a haiku or writing like a free verse poem or, or writing a villanelle or whatever it might be or some other poetry form. Um, and then you look at the function of a sonnet, right? You look at the, the volta, like the turn and emotion. Um, that's like the keystone part of it. You look at like how short or how long it could be. Um, mm-hmm. You look at like, what can I do within 14 lines? And then you look at different kinds of sonnets, right? Like in a Shakespearean sonnet, what is the value of having like these alternating um, rhyming sequences, right? Like where it's like you're rhyming every other line and kind of making it like sing-songy. So like if you have something that's like kind of like a jingle in your head, you could write a sonnet and that'll probably work for you better than writing a haiku or writing a pantoum or something. That's what I'm looking at. Like form is like the the scaffold and then function is like, what are you able to build on that base that you now have set up? Mm. Okay. I like that. I like that. I like that analogy. So in your own work, how do you usually approach that? Are you, are you thinking about form first? Are you thinking about function or is it kind of like the two fused together in your head? Whew, that's hard. Um, I, I first want to approach it with like, how do I want to create something and what am I even trying to create? Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my work is very personal. A lot of my work like comes from my day-to-day interactions and I just like wanted to have conversation about it or wanting to like dive deeper into it um, because I'm always like thinking. I used to say overthinking, but like that, that's just like a disjustice to like, or an injustice to, to who I am as a person. Um, mm-hmm. I just like thinking about things a lot. So I like making things that help me uh, dive deeper into that. So I think I've gotten to the point where I like will naturally feel like, okay, this is something I want to talk about. So maybe this is writing. And then from there, I'm like, is this a poem where like, I'm looking at like a single specific moment? Is this an essay where like, I am like going across like maybe like a broader concept or whatever? Um, Is this just a conversation? Is it just a tweet? Is it just a caption? Um, Mm. You know, is it just like a monograph that I'm going to put like on a photo or something or on a graphic? so I, I think of it in that way. I'm like, what do I what do I feel? And again, like, what's the best way to to dig deeper with that for me at least? And then I hope that whatever I chose for like my own sake is also useful for other folks. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Do you ever find like as you're working through something, 
that the form naturally changes or like you completely abandon it and start over in another form? How does your your process look sometimes? Absolutely. Um, I'd, I'd say most of my stuff changes so much before like I put it out into the world anywhere. Um, mm. I have like a burner Twitter and a burner IG account that I like what? everything. Yeah, like, but like, it's it's just really nice because like you don't have the pressure of of your name like being attached to these things, mm, right? Um, yeah. Whenever I share something on the internet now, I'm like, this is not part of my portfolio. Um, in mm, some way, because like someone so looks much up like pressure. Yeah, and it sucks. Like it it, it sucks because it can be so inhibited. Like I mean, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Like I love the community that I've made online, and like. Mm that that has made me who I am today I like would not be doing most of what I do without like online community we Um, wouldn't have met (laughs) literally G like literally (laughs) like it's as so many even even all my work in Chicago damn near is like on social media um Mm -hmm. like I create content for like a lot of different uh, a lot of different folks and even beyond that it's like I don't really have much of like a physical social battery so like it's not like I could like go out to the bar go out to parties and meet folks (laughs) like a lot of this is happening like on social media when it's comfortable. For sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, I got, I got burner accounts and I like post stuff to there, like as soon as I feel it or make it. And then I, that's where like, I do a lot of my experimenting at. Right. I'm like, it, it's been most common with like Twitter threads. I will like just do a thread to kind of like write these things out. It really helps because like I get the the functionality of like an essay where like I have like more, more space to do something, but also mm-hmm. I still get to focus on like, these smaller parts within it. So um, I have like, I get to have like a really holistic approach to my thoughts. Like instead of thinking of just the whole or just the parts, um, I thinking about how those two go, go together. But yeah, I, I post everything to those first. And then like over the next like two or three months, usually sometimes it's pretty quick. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter, but usually it's like a couple months. Um, that's how I'm really changing it of like, Oh, I kind of feel like this, or I like, I kind of want to like do something more with this tweet or like, I think this photo could be a part of this other thought that I had. Um, mm. And then that's how I end up with a lot of the stuff that that I actually do end up posting. Um, but I've been working on like bigger projects lately. So I haven't been posting as much, but it's still the same process of like practice on the burners, see what like how I'm feeling about how like it can move um, or how it looks like on like the proverbial like wall or whatever. And where do we move forward from that? I actually, I haven't thought about using a burner account for that purpose but that's actually really smart to like take that pressure off because that's I feel like that's like a number one thing that discourages me from posting on IG consistently because I'm like oh I need like the grid to look good and I need engagement and like what value am I creating for other people's timelines blah 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 but I also feel like when you do post it instead of just because like I feel like a lot of artists do that too, like in their own like journal or sketchbook or just yeah. like keeping shit for themselves. But like to go through the motions of posting it somewhere, I think is really useful just as like, okay, this is going to be a thing that I am doing, but I don't have to think about it as much exactly. for this moment in time. Like you said, like you said, you're like working through the motions of that and just like the process of putting things out there, I feel like is part of the process. And we often deprive ourselves of that as artists in this day and age when we just like keep shit to ourselves until it's perfect but like getting some of that like instant gratification of like okay bloop it's up there it's out there in the world um even if it's not on your like real account I think that's really that's a really good idea I might make a burner account now (laughs) do it I'm such a a, an advocate for it I used to be such a hater about fences and all that shit and like I made one um, because my therapist suggested it way back when, and I was like, "Yo, oh. this shit, this shit works." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a good enough following on your your burner accounts that people are still like engaging with the stuff, or is it solely just? Oh, like- it's just me, pretty much. I think on my Twitter, I have like some random. So before I like now it's a private page, but before when it was like public or whatever, I was mostly just following like video game people to like find out when they were streaming and stuff. And I have like one random person that like plays RuneScape that like follows me, and then my like best friend from high school. <laughs> yeah, so like it's like I'm really? I'm pretty much just posting for myself. Like okay. Um, and then on the Instagram, I used to have that page as like I wanted to do like this project with um like my commutes and like recording like mm-hmm. trains and shit like that, like in a kind of ASMRish way. 
and like a couple people like i never like promoted it or anything like that like i had just been posting to it pretty consistently and then like sometimes i would like share it on like my main profile and like a couple people followed it from that but there's no following and that's what like helps i'm mm. not like oh man i gotta get like the people or i gotta like break into the algorithm or anything like that or i gotta know how to like I hate the algorithm dog <laughs> the algorithm can see me in these streets i'm done with it <laughs> i'm tired i remember back in the day when it was all chronological oh uh, man the kids these days they don't know they don't know they don't know <laughs> <sighs> all right moving away from that for a little bit because that's gonna get me stressed out this is another thing that i think about do you ever see work from other artists that's in a medium and you fuck with it or whatever, but you're like, hmm, what if it was like actually a poem or if it was a poster or like what other mediums could this message work in? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you ever like go through that thought process in your head or is that helpful to your practice in any way? Yeah. Um, I really love hearing things remastered um or not remastered mm. that's not the word um like when people like either cover or like turn things into something else yeah um, make it their own yeah mick jenkins turned we real cool Gwendolyn brooks we real cool um into a song like the hook is is the poem and then the oh, verse that's is, dope yeah, i need to a, hear that <laughs> it's a great Gwendolyn's apprehension that's a great that album is great um okay, the circus I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big mick jenkins fan um huge mick jenkins fan but yeah, stuff like that. And also, some I like I got into last year when everything started popping off in June. I like found myself only really like able to be energized by words, right? Um mm. or like by things that people had like historically said, not just like things that people were saying around me in the moment, but like things that we have like lived on. So anytime I like had a quote that like was just sticking in my head that day, I would make like a cute little graphic for it. And not like anything. I think I shared like maybe one or two, but it was just like for me to um like find out like okay you have this quote you love it it sits with you in a certain way so like what do you feel when when you think of this quote um and just kind of like letting my mind like bounce around a bit and finding out like whatever images or whatever like graphics come to my head or whatever layout comes to my head um and making something just to like help myself process so i do that a lot um and a lot of my music or not my music. I don't have music. Um, a lot of my. <laughs> I was like, wait. No, 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 no. Burner SoundCloud. A Only a burner Spotify. Um, nah, but a lot of my a lot of my poetry is inspired by music. Um, mm. and like pretty outwardly so, right? Like, I'm not like trying to hide that I'm a fan of this, this, and that. Um, like I have a lot of poems for artists. I have a lot of poems for like certain songs. Um, and those are their titles. Um, mm. I'd say like most of my poems in the past, like three or four years have been like on the on the edge of almost like music journalism like i have mm. this song or i have this artist and they mean this to my life because of this so like yeah um here's a poem about that are you a? do you follow um not follow whatever read it's so weird um social media landscape <laughs> uh hanif abdurakib my favorite author of course really okay <laughs> yeah. yes yes i love his work um but that made me that reminded me of his work because he does a lot of like poetry that borders on music journalism yeah. um I mean, but he I was feel a music like... journalist. Yeah, for oh, was he? I guess, like, I don't know if he can himself. Sense. Yeah, but yeah, he was. He worked for MTV um, okay. for a while. Yeah, that's very on brand. Then um, I feel like some artists do this, but um, there's also this like almost preoccupation with like being original and this like over like grandiose idea of the artist as this like genius who just like goes somewhere and creates like work from nothing almost and it's like it's we never do that like nothing is in a vacuum we're all stealing from each other and it's not really stealing because it's like it's ideas it's vibes it's feelings like you're not literally um if you're actually an artist you you shouldn't be actually like copy pasting work right but we do that we have this like osmosis as artists that's like okay I'm creating this but it's is coming from me uh, by way of Hanif or by way of this person I've been listening to, by way of Mick Jenkins. Um, 
that I think is really cool and more people should lean into that. Um, Cause I feel like that's the whole point of art is that we're connecting to other people through these feelings. And if the feeling isn't universal, then what, like, how do we, how do we tap into like art, you know? Um, yeah. Maybe that's really meta, but I think you know what I'm saying. Nah, I, I like completely agree. We need to give people their flowers more. Cause yeah. like you said, nothing exists in a vacuum and like, that is okay. Like you can make something that like is of you that was inspired by something. All of our favorite beats sample something else, you know, like it's, and that's, no the, that's yeah. one of the greatest things I think about, um, not to cut you off, but like, I thought of that when you were talking about, um, music because like sampling is, that's what artists are doing all the time. And we like, it's okay. And with, when it's like in that form, like we notice, like, oh, okay, they're taking this from this song. They literally took that beat or they took that hook, they remixed it in Ableton or whatever. And now they have this new thing. And like, that's really dope. But we can see like the linkages very clearly. And I, I don't know that like every art form has that like very clear process that's like, you know, co signed as like being okay. Um, and I mean, you know, sometimes you you have to get samples cleared and there's like legal stuff that has to go down. But um, I don't know. In like other art forms, like in poetry, for example, like if I take a line from your poem and then I make my own poem like after that line, some people would be like, oh, but like you didn't you didn't write that first line. So like, I don't know, the lines, they get blurry sometimes. Um, and I just wish people would chill more. That's <laughs> basically what I'm saying. I, I, I like to imagine a world um, without like this conquering capitalistic like perspective that we yeah, all have. Yeah, you know? like, exactly. yeah, exactly. It's, it's all about the, the authorship, you know, because, and I get it, like people do steal shit and, you know, or appropriate it and um, capitalize off of it. And we all got to eat because we do live under capitalism. Um, but yeah, I feel like Sometimes that just hinders people from from being inspired and like yeah. making work that's that's directly like a descendant of somebody else's or whatever. So this is the part of the show where we take a quick break for me to ask, are you enjoying this episode? You are? Okay, cool. We're going to get back to it in a minute. But first, I want to ask you to do one or all for extra credit of these three things to support the show. One, you can follow the show on Instagram at young underscore original underscore and black. Then share a post from the page. It can be any of them and tag me. Two, you can leave a review and rating in Apple Podcasts. Reviews matter because it's social proof. People want to know that the people like it, you know? Three, you can send this episode or any episode you enjoyed to a friend just straight into their inbox, cut through all that red tape, and let them know that you like the show. My vision for this podcast is to curate a platform for creatives that feels thoughtful, timely, and of course, very Black. Your support, however small it may seem, is an investment in that vision, and I appreciate it so, so much. Thank you in advance. Now, let's get back to the show. So as Black people, we've invented like all these different specialized forms and I feel like they fulfill certain functions. So music, again, is like usually the most salient example. Um, like you had freedom songs during slavery where like they created that for a specific function um, because they were being restricted in all these other ways. And then you have jazz and hip hop, which I feel like is really the outgrowth of that because it's so like, um, it's very outside of mainstream culture. In those communities, that was an expression or like an outlet for very specific feelings and issues um, that were prevalent at the time. And I think like most popular music, <laughs> we can trace back to black people and the origins in some way. But overall, I just feel like I'm inspired by that lineage of like, okay, let's create this new form 
out of like lack, basically, out of like somewhere that we need to fill in this gap because whatever is out there is not serving the the functions that we need. And that in turn, I think puts, I feel this pressure then to always be offering something new and noteworthy that like fits into this lineage and that tradition of creating from nothing. So yeah, I've heard other black artists and creatives talk about that. It's similar to like when people outside of black people are looking at our work and like there's this expectation that we need to talk about, we need to talk about black issues. We need to need to contribute to the culture. And if they can't see those linkages, then our work becomes discarded in some way, or it's not as relevant to them. Maybe those are two different thoughts, but definitely (laughs) I want to hear your thoughts on if you feel any pressure from like looking back at this lineage of black art that we kind of sit in on the time continuum. I definitely feel pressure. Um, I also feel like very blessed to have that pressure, Mm. you know, and it kind of like it it sucks in that, like, I feel like black folks always have to do better than everybody else to like Mm -hmm. be seen as like valid or or successful or whatever it is um, in your field or in your lane. And in that we're always making some dope ass shit, but like someone is inevitably going to jock it and then we got to make something else that's even doper or like just dope in a different way. Um, and that process continues and continues and continues. But it does feel like really magnificent to have that kind of like history behind me of yeah. like, I can't. And it's it's like a double-edged sword. Like I, I want the opportunity to be mediocre. I want the opportunity to be standard. I want the opportunity to like not be um, creating or outputting at like producing, I should say, not outputting at 110% all the time. But like, it is cool to have a strong history behind me of yeah. of what like I need to make in order to be great. Cause I do. I think I used to be like very like sheepish about that. Sheepish. I never use that word. Shy. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say sheepish. I like that. I'm a, I've been very sheepish about it in the past <laughs> um, about like wanting to be great. But like, I do want my work to be great. I want my work to do things um, in the way that like work has done things for me. Right. Mm. Like, like I said, I'm continuously leaning on on the on the things that have been made or said or done before me and I don't take that for granted like I don't take like history for granted and I know that like we are also like building history right like 50 years from now like 2021 is going to be in the history books so Mm -hmm. like what am I making now that's contributing to that in the ways that like are helpful like how the artists before me have helped me out so much yeah Um, yeah so it's hard it's hard like I love that pressure but also like Maybe it's okay to take a, a bad photo here and there. Maybe it's okay to like have a corny poem here and there at least. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like when we do look back at artists who we admire so much, like they had that work, you know, they yeah. had work that wasn't that great and it probably didn't get as much recognition. And maybe now we're just looking at it because it's like, oh, it's attached to this person and that person is res- well-respected. But like, you can't expect yourself to be creating at your highest level every day. Like your output is just not going to be consistent like that because you're human. Um, And like you need to live life and go through different experiences in order for your work to progress along with that. Um, I feel like that has definitely been something I felt like a very – um, extreme lack of in quarantine because like we're in our houses so much and you're not interacting with people, you're not interacting with the world as much that it's just like, okay, I'm in here and like I still consider myself an artist and I still want to make my best work, but I'm so disconnected <laughs> from mm-hmm. everyone else that yeah. it feels it feels harder to do that. I don't know. Have you have you felt any of that? during this period as well yeah all of my work i shouldn't say all but like damn near all of my work has always been community based Mm. it's definitely all been community driven like i'm always taking photos for other folks or i'm i'm writing poems that like make space for community um and also like i don't remember 
the last, I guess like maybe like seventh or eighth grade, like ninth grade or something. Um, but like, I can't really remember a time where I wasn't writing poems with the idea. Like I've always, like I've always just had the idea of them being performed on a stage or whatever. Even like poems that like I write for like a book or whatever, or for like print, even when I'm writing them, I'm like, this could be performed or like that. That's just like the natural voice I have in my work. So it really was hard. I'm a pretty introverted person and like, I'm not naturally like fueled by like having people around me, but like that feeling of like being in a room and even if it's just like one or two other people, but like mm-hmm. being able to share art and share space with folks is so lovely to me. And suddenly not having that was really difficult for the first couple months. It was like, now I was, I was creating like in a silo. I mean, like I still had other people, right. And like, I mm-hmm. still was like able to see work being made or like, I was still able to like be in um in community and like the digital jump wasn't like that big for me. I like grew up on the internet. So like, yeah it wasn't it wasn't hard but it was hard to imagine my work like being shared in a different way before even if I had like a video or something like that like I imagined any video I could ever have would be like a video of me like performing somewhere or like being made with somebody I never imagined like how do I like record my own poem in my room or in my living room or something like that Mm -hmm. and I've tried and like I I just couldn't like it's it's hard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I it, not it having that like response in real time yeah. and like that energy of just like people being in your space really it's just like your your output is different like yeah. it's it's something you can't recreate for yourself um and that's okay like that mm-hmm. it, it's okay like if you're something something that a homie um said recently his name's femdot he's he's a rapper he was talking recently in an interview that he did about like how a lot of artists well he was talking about himself specifically but i was able to relate to it and that he was saying like how he um was like finding his value in his productivity and he realized like that was not sustainable like and it's not right and like if you are making like if the work that you make is best made or best done or best shown in a room full of people like there will be a room full of people one day again right yeah. and like it is okay if like in this like one to three year however long this shit lasts like in this in this window you are not like doing things in the same way maybe this like gives you space to do other things maybe this does give you space mm-hmm. to like create in, in a new way or like figure out new things about your work um and that's just adapting right but like it is okay if like if my poems live out loud and i like don't feel comfortable like doing them out loud on like ig live or some shit like that like i do not have to be like producing to be like a valid creator you know yeah. um it could it'll be there one day Two things with that that came to mind. One is this like, well, it was definitely at the start. The start of quarantine, there were all those stupid memes and posts about if you're not writing the next American bestseller, if you're not right, oh. if you're not completing your mixtape, then you wasted quarantine, blah, blah, blah. And then that quickly became like, y'all, we just trying to survive. <laughs> like, <G>. shut up. <laughs> yeah, um, literally. But I, I do feel like artists still have been creating during this time. And when that's your outlet, like you still feel driven to create work, you know, even if it is in a different way. So I, I feel like when you're like used to creating in one way and you're used to seeing reactions to your work and measuring success in a certain way, how does that then change when it's taken out of that space? And then to the second point, I feel like in general, like during this time, during normal times, whatever that means now, we as artists, as creatives do benefit from like shifting our perspective to see like the times when we're not actively producing something as a part of our creative process. Like I think Femdot was kind of getting at with that comment. Like I was saying before, like you need to live in order to create. You know, like you don't just like, you're not a machine. That's the whole point of art is that you are, it's very like, no, there's no AI out there that can (laughs) recreate what an artist does. I don't care how sophisticated it gets. You need to be a human to create art and being a human means going outside and talking to people and, you know, just like encountering the world and you can't script any of that. So those are two thoughts that came to mind. I came to Chicago with the idea of like diving headfirst into artistry. It was right after college. Um, and I had this like very big debate with myself of like, 
do you immediately go to grad school? Do you do you like go into the workforce and shit and like um do you do that? Or do you like give this art shit a shot? Because like I, I was I was at this point in life where I was like, I can, right? Like if I take this seriously, I can like sustain myself off creativity and like find more purpose for myself with my work. Or at least like lean into this full time. And I kind of need to at the point, to be honest. I like was broke as hell. I was like my my like bursar account was delinquent, so I couldn't even get my degree anyway. Like I needed to Damn. finish. So it was like I kind of needed to go for broke. Like I was I was really throwing everything but the kitchen sink. And I was like, I'm not finna like work at a bar to like get myself out of debt, but maybe I can pull a big gig. Maybe I can pull a commercial gig. Maybe I can like get a get a poetry gig at a, at a few colleges. Um, mm-hmm. And to do that, I need to take myself more seriously, um, or at least my work more seriously. I, yeah, we 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 were like a little popping on campus. Um, we had my my poetry slam team had won Cupsy the year before, or like a co championship, whatever. Um, I don't, yeah, and like I was doing like pretty decently at like adult level slams too, and I was seeing like what other people were doing around me, and I was like, if you just give yourself a shot, you can do what these folks are doing too. Mm-hmm. Um, and feel good about it. So that that all goes to say, like, I, I saw that dilemma in myself, like, very early on, right? I was like, I need to find a way to sustain myself amongst all this creativity because, like, it is hard out here. And, like, I know there there are bills that need to be paid. There are mouths that need to be fed. There are futures that mm-hmm. need to be, like, prepared for. And I wanted to find out, like, as soon as possible how I could merge those two together. How, like, without having, like, a capitalized like overtaking of my work like how can i like make sure that i'm all right and still also be creating or whatever it took a few years but i'm here finally um that that's that's a long way of saying like i saw that earlier on i was like this will be like very hard to deal with and like i need to find a way to not make my creativity be like what i'm living off of but i do want to find a way to make it like sustainable so that like i can like be creating and also be living and not like feel the pressure whenever i am creating Mm. um which has mostly been, like, I have a lot of fun, like, making graphics and editing videos and shit like that. And that's mm-hmm. how, like, I mostly pay my bills. And I don't, like, pay any bills off poetry now. Like, that's not to say, like, I, sometimes I get paid for stuff. But, like, I don't have to worry, like, oh, man, I got to get this book ready. You know, like, yeah. so I could so I could pay my bills next year. Or, like, man, I got to pick up, like, some gigs and shit. Um, and I feel really blessed for that because it, it just feels like not, like, it feels nice to not have that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, the, oh, what was the first point? The barometer of success. I when it's like when quarantine happened, I found myself like really leaning on like algorithmic shit. Like, and that's I do a lot of that for work. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really easy to like apply that to my own work. And I did have to make like an intentional decision of like, are you about to get into like some influencer type shit? Are you about to like do this like online creativity full time or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. And I really don't want my work to live like that. Like, yeah. And that's, it's been a struggle. It's been a huge struggle to like not lean on likes because that, that dopamine be hitting. Listen, get a, get a couple likes when you post or some shit and you're like, oh my gosh, people like my stuff. And then you see like one name that like, you know, maybe it's someone that you didn't know if like they really liked your stuff or not. And you see they like your shit because like it just so happened to show up on their timeline. And I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. And then whatever, whatever. Um, but I want to like still lean on like, what does the work do for me? How is the yeah. work moving in the world? Mm. Um, and some of that will overlap with like likes and shares and like whatever other analytics that come up. But I want my photos to do like things for people that I fuck with more than I want them to like do well on Instagram. I want um, to be saying and doing things out loud that like I could put my full self behind and not just like this is timely or like this is like in the news or whatever, or this is like the trending hashtag. And so like we should hop on or whatever. And not to say that there's anything wrong with that. I just like have a lot of conflict because like that's where a lot of my work, like my work work sits, not like my artwork. Then I just don't want those two things to overlap in my creative process. So keeping like separation between those two for your own mental health is really important. Yeah. It's nice like not putting everything out there, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. because I still find a lot of validation in like what my friends think about my poems or like how good like my homies think my photos are. And like that's where like most of my work, like most of my work lives in like messaging apps like i just sent mm-hmm. them like oh i was thinking about like this time that we had or whatever so i wrote a poem or whatever hope you have it like hope the world's treating you well or like if like i'm going through developing photos and i feel like someone likes it i just send it to them and that's where i find a lot of my validation still so i was glad i was able to like 
notice that earlier on in the quarantine. I like that. I feel like I should send more art to friends just for fun. Why not? <laughs> that would, yeah, that would like, definitely make me happy. Because really? I, I just finished a commission that is for a friend. And like I had posted some like in progress stuff on Instagram or whatever. But I sent her like the final image of it. And she was like, oh, my God, I literally gasped out loud and like sent all these like really nice text messages about it. And that like totally eclipsed anything anyone had said to me on Instagram because it's like this is for her. She's going to be wearing it. And it's just way more intimate. So that's that's a good idea. Yeah. I'm getting some good ideas from you today. I need a burner account. <laughs> I need to be in iMessages more. <laughs> I, I sometimes think about influencers and like, I don't know how, how they do it. Even if they're extroverted or anything, like I don't know how folks like put everything out there and not like feel the weight of it all. Um, or like the weight do. of like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they do. do. And yeah, they'll they just go, be like, I'm not doing this shit anymore. Have you watched <laughs> On They Destroy You? Yes. That shit wrecked me. Yes. I like was, <laughs> I mean, one, the, the show wrecked me as, as a whole. I haven't like been that triggered by like a show ever. But also like when she started like doing that dive into becoming like an influencer, I was like, okay, I made the right decision. I'm fine because I would crumble apart like with this shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've actually talked about that show on this podcast before. So that was one of the the themes that stood out. And I think just in general, I see it more and more, whether it's like in pop culture or like literally just opening Instagram is like, people are feeling it. Like no, everyone knows influencing culture is a thing. So like you can see through people who are very like, okay, like I'm just posting this because I'm getting paid by this brand. And authenticity is like a continuous buzzword now. Um, But now influencers are trying to be like authentic while they're selling you something. And it's like, I just want to get outside of the upside down. (laughs) Like, can we just go back to sharing things because we genuinely like it and we're not getting paid, but capitalism. So, but yeah, I've definitely seen some influencers who I admire who are like, yeah, I'm tired, man. Like, here's a photo of me being tired. (laughs) Like, that's all I have for you today, you know? And like sharing their struggles about getting paid solely through that and having their their creative process completely bound up in paying bills like you were talking about. I think that's all very real. And like I saw another meme, not a meme, it was a tweet, I think, that was just like the pressure for artists to continue sharing and continue like keeping up with the algorithm is like totally antithetical to how your creative process is like if you feel the pressure to share something you're gonna like naturally like course correct in your brain whatever you were gonna do because you're like oh wait don't do that because like then you can't post it so it's like so what are you even doing at the end of the day like it's very um black mirror episode is your life (laughs) so (laughs) i try like when i can actually like pinpoint and like stop myself in the moment of like, okay, are you doing this for Instagram or are you doing this because you want to do it? Yeah. To lean into the, I'm doing this because I want to do it as much as possible. Cause you will go crazy. <laughs> it will happen. You got to create the content and not let the content create you. It's so e- like, it, like that you part. said, it's such a blurry line um, between like, and like I've, I've, I've had to catch myself too. I'm like, are you like making this because you want to, or are you making this because you know people are going to like it? Are you like doing what you actually want to do or are you doing what you think people think you should be doing? It, it makes me feel very icky. It makes me feel icky about like a lot of interactions. A lot of times when I post something, I get like hella comments and like, I just don't even like, go th- like, I, like I'll, I'll probably go back like a few weeks like later and go back and read them and shit just to like, feel like all like warm and bubbly inside and all that. But I'm constantly thinking about like how like the social aspect of social media has been commodified to the point of like people just commenting just to comment or like, mm. you know, like things like that. And not like I don't even I think I'm really lucky um, in that like I've curated a space where like that is not like most of the interaction that I have on my social media. And I feel like very, very blessed for that. But it's something I have in the back of my head, especially again, considering like how much of my work is in social media. And like 
how whenever someone like comments on one of my clients posts, like, I do have to think like, okay, how does this get us into it? Um, I just hate like mm. having that thought in my head. So yeah, I, I really have to catch myself all the time of like, when you are using social media, like, how are you using it? And why are you using it? And like, what's the comfortable way for you to do this? Yeah, I feel that about social media interactions, because there are people that I've interacted with so much and never met them in real life. Yeah. And then when you do meet them in real life, it's like you have to go through the whole process sometimes of building rapport all over again, because it's like that that's real. Like we've met through Instagram and I've met several other of my friends and stuff through Instagram. But at the same time, it's like that's one version of you. Yeah. That's one like facet that you're bringing to the table that you're choosing to show people in that moment. And I mean, even through text, like you can you can choose when you respond to that. You're not always responding in real time. So there is like a point where you just have to get in front of people and like see how people are interacting with you and with your work to like know what's real because yeah. the social media shit will have you thinking, oh, so many people love my work and so many people support me. But at the end of the day, like it is about those spaces, like you're saying, where you can curate a few people in a room and like make that vibe something that's fulfilling for everyone. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to that. And I do have a question for you based on what we've just been talking about. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in like the coming months as like more and more people are getting vaccinated, life restrictions are starting to like ease up a little bit. It's going to get warmer in Chicago. How are you looking forward to what what are you looking forward to about life and how that impacts your creative process? Seeing my mama, my yeah. grandparents, seeing my niece and uh and my brother and my sisters. Um seeing my family in Tennessee and seeing my folks wherever. Uh I wanted 2020 to be the year where like I started traveling a lot more. The year before that was the first year, or two years before that, either way. It was either 2019 or 2020 was, like, the first time that I took more, like, flights than I took mega buses. Mm. Um, and I wanted to keep building on that. I wanted to, like, go on, like, relaxed tours, not, like, 19 spots in a month type shit. But, like, <laughs> I wanted to find out. And this is I was in the process of, like, finding out, like, where all my homies were at across the country. Finding out, like, the nearest, like, colleges or, like, conventions or anything that was happening where, like, I could book a gig. And just playing in that and just like being able to like do a gig for like a few hours and then show my homie for like two days or something like that and then move it on to the next thing. Um, and I just really, really, really miss my people. Um, yeah. And it's really hard for me to like convey that. Like, I don't know. It like sits really heavy. I think everyone me, so. feels that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> such a strong sentiment. Yeah. But yeah, go on if you had anything else to add to that. But I mean, I, I create for them. Like I create for my folks. I create for my people. And like, I just can't wait to be in physical community with them. I I feel like very disconnected from folks and I just can't wait to to be back on that. Um that's that's the first thing in my head, seeing my people again and like kikiing it up and, and getting food and shit. Miss the kiki. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um I have a couple of questions that should be quick. Yeah. Who are three of your favorite black creatives right now? Just like young creators who are on the come up that people should know about? Ooh. Oh, there's so many more than three. Um, I could consider Toaster young. I think Toaster's young. Yeah, he. if anything, he has a young soul at the very least. Um, Toaster Henderson is a poet and teaching artist and like visual artist and like does a lot of cool shit that like whatever, um, that like forces us to think about the world and our places in it. And his Instagram tag is hi, I'm Toaster. Um, okay. Toaster. I could send you the tag later. Okay. Um, Devin Allen's also young. Um, Devin mm. Allen is a photographer out of Baltimore. Um, got two Time Magazine covers. Big yeah. flex. Um, just got the Leica partnership. Got the Under Armour sponsorship. Like, is really bringing um, like a fine craftsmanship of photography uh, back to the hood. And I love that. I love to see it. I think like, and myself included, this is something that like I'm trying to like fight against. I think we always get like equipment or like we we up our game to like perform better in like these academic or like these glossy spaces but like why not bring that that like expensive lens to like just the neighborhood football game 
Yeah. Why not bring like your your seven thousand dollar like a camera lens to like the park and just take uh take photos of like folks like playing ball or whatever, you mm-hmm. know shit like that. And he's doing that on like a very very good scale, getting cameras into like yeah nah it just so Devin Allen, um sure. fuck a third one a third one that's tough that's really tough that's hard that's hard that's all of them <laughs> all of them I'm rooting for everybody black um <laughs> unless they unless they ain't rocking with black people um that's true. but that's it. Ah, a third one. That's tough. That's really tough. That's really tough. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna cheat and say my friend Dave Gaines, Dave G. Okay. Um, he just had a book drop named Soft Boy. Um, mm. man, now that I say him, I like want well, all my homies that like whatever, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> three. It was just three. He just dropped a poem book or a poetry book called Soft Boy. Um, that shit is fire. He is one of my favorite writers, alive, living, dead, whatever it is. And I'm not just like saying that because like he's my homie. I'm saying that because like he is a I very prolific that. writer. So, um, yeah, those are okay. my three, and that's hard. That's difficult. But I know it's hard, but you know <laughs> we don't have all day. Um, okay, the final question, Davon, is what does it mean to you to be young, original, and black? It means everything. It means I'm uh, one of the coolest kids on the block. Um, <laughs> It means that I get to be around cool people doing cool shit. Um, it means that I get to I get to come on a really cool podcast. Um, <laughs> what else does it mean? What else does it mean? It means I get made fun of on Twitter. I do not like this. Um, the you see the, the trend maybe like the past month of um of folks saying like I'm a tight shirt and big pants my way into some artsy niggas life. I hate that, bro, because it's true. I'm I'm hating all these little memes about how to pull an artsy nigga because like every time I'm like, damn, I would. I would, I would definitely fall in love and write you nine poems if, like, you just said this one thing. Sorry, like, I'm still on tight shirt and baggy pants. Guys, man, like every time I go to a poetry sim, I'm like, I ain't finna talk to nobody, and then someone pulls up looking like that. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> <laughs> damn. <laughs> but yeah, that is um, really the aesthetic to bag artsy niggas. Go it's ahead. It's rough, G. It's rough. <laughs> um, but that's what it means to be young, original, and black. People got you down to a to a pit point. Nah. Um, <laughs> we are a multiplicitous and multifaceted kind, and we are we are creating. Um, it means making history. It means making history. Um, yes, doing cool shit. Yeah, it means I love that. Living a good life. Thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have anything to shout out uh, that's coming out in your world, or you know, put people on to what you're doing? Um, subscribe to Market Box Chicago. Um, they they put meals. In over 300 families every uh, every last two Saturdays of the month. Subscribe to them, help them out, volunteer. Um, buy my buy all the homies' books, not just Dave's. Buy everybody's books. Buy everybody's art. Um, what are your plants? And also, what are yourself? Facts. And, and big shout out to the sidewalks for keeping me off the streets. Um, and that please don't put that in the podcast. <laughs> I'm definitely life. putting that. Nah, <laughs> but that's it. Nah, nah, I'm good. Nah, let me let me shut up before I get myself in. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I used to. Thank you. Wow. I mean, what a pleasure it was to chop it up with Davon about all things form and function and so so much more. I think you can already hear how much our discussion resonated for me. So it was hard to narrow it down, but here are my top three takeaways. Number one, make a creative burner account. That's right, y'all. Finstas are not just for spicy, exclusive content that you don't want uh, your auntie to see. They can also be a great way to get your work out there without the pressure of being perceived I imagine because no I still haven't made my art finsta but I'm gonna get on it I imagine though that just going through the motions of that process can be really cathartic and liberating let me let me make a note right now okay number two in Davon's words he feels blessed by the pressure of knowing the lineage of black artists who came before him I loved this as a way of reframing pressure, which usually has this more loaded negative connotation for me. I just thought that that was brilliant uh, to just switch it a little bit and make it something that's empowering instead of a burden, you know? Number three, 
Create the content. Don't let the content create you. This is related to the first point about creating that creative burner account, but it definitely goes a step further because I think if you let it, even the burner could become stressful. I think this is important to drive home the idea that your art and the content you make about your art are two separate things. I mean, unless, of course, you're a content creator, but that's a whole nother conversation. I definitely have a guest coming up for y'all for that. But as we discussed, it's easy to get lost in the sauce on social media. So it's key to remember your why behind it all. And that why should lead you back to your art, which is your base. Okay, a few quick reminders before we get out of here. You can find links to Davon's work, his social profiles, and the profiles of the creatives that he recommended in the show notes. You can find me on Instagram via my personal account at Aisha in Progress and the show at young underscore original underscore and black. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. You a real one. I know you also heard my ad in the middle of the show, so I won't repeat all that, but the spark notes are you can support the show by sharing it, you know who, with a friend or to Instagram. You can also leave a review and rating and Apple podcasts. Sounds easy, right? Get to it. Thank you very much in advance. That's it, y'all. So until next time, stay young, stay original and stay black. This is your host, Aisha, signing off.